tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hey guys, we so we have a very special guest. We have Adam Conover on the pod today. We're so stoked to talk to him. That's going to be in just one second. Before we do that, check the disclaimer as always. You got to read that. Click see more. Do whatever you got to do for our Steve Sluts. And then if you're here for the first time, you probably don't know what that means, but you should check us out. We are The Trillionaire Mindset. We are a fun show about all things finance, anything stock market related. We talk about politics, big tech, whatever's going on, but we make it fun. It's funny. It's easy to understand, so if that's the kind of thing you might be interested in and you like two funny guys talking about that kind of stuff, stick around, hit subscribe button, like the video, share it with your friends, rate us five stars on all that kind of stuff. And keep an eye out because we're going to be doing a live stream next in the next month or so on YouTube, so be sure to have your notifications turned on for that. That's going to be fun. That's going to be the first time we've ever done that. And here it is. Adam Conover. <laughs> Monkey at the beat man. Kramer, when I get done with you, yeah. are you ready for a trillionaire mindset? Fill me up, Arrow. Bitcoin solves this. Bitcoin 100,000. <laughs> wow, so without further ado, we have a very special guest here. Yes. You guys probably recognize him. Mm-hmm. Unless you're listening, you can't tell who's here. Yeah. Say something, and maybe they'll recognize you. Hey, what's up? You might recognize... That's Adam Conover. <laughs> from Adam Ruins Everything, from College Humor, from his... Uh, he's He's got some later projects, too, now. I got a some Netflix current show projects, out this year. The G Word. Yeah, thank you. Uh, factually, yeah, with my Adam po- Conover. My podcast, yeah. Uh, big fan. Thank you for saying so. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and he's got... Um, well, I guess you've had it for a while, but you've got a YouTube channel that's kind I of just, popping off right now. I just posted my uh, first solo YouTube video in many, many years. I had a kind of more abundant YouTube channel. I'd use it to post you know, podcast episodes or like old stand-up or stuff like that. But I made a video for YouTube, and yeah, it's, got, it's, it's blowing up. We love it. Thank you. Feels good. How's that dopamine? Oh, it's so good. It's oh, so yeah. good. Oh, that keeps you motivated. You it's just open so the phone good. over again to refresh and see yes. the people, see the number go up and it, you know, yeah. it's better than money, which is why they don't pay you. Right. They instead just pay you in the number going. Yeah. You yeah. get, you get some anonymous person telling you they hate you. <laughs> uh, oh, that's all it takes is one negative comment to ruin my TikTok, day. TikTok nailed this the most. When I post a TikTok, I'm fucking hooked on it. Just yeah. like reload, 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 watching the number go up. Yeah, It's a fake number. They, God knows how many people are actually watching the video. But if they tell me, oh, a million, I'm, oh my God, I'm yeah, walking around on number. cloud nine all day. Do you find yourself... Which one of you guys do I look at? This is my... both. You can do either. Whoever's right. talking. This is actually a good experiment because we, this is a brand new set, and I was saying, "Hey, it might be kind of tricky. Maybe we should do both of us on one side." Well, what? Uh, this is uh, would two, you prefer us to switch? This is an isosceles triangle, and I'm going to make it a little more equilateral. Yeah, that, and now it's a little hey, more comfortable. Whoa! Yeah. Now that's innovation, that. baby. Look at that. Uh, the obtu- the angle was a little obtuse here, and you wanted to be a little bit more equal. Yeah, there you go. So doing stand up mm-hmm. and doing like old. 
I shouldn't say old, but you know, the college humor era of yeah. doing longer form stuff. I don't know how to phrase this question, so I'll just try it anyway. Uh, do you find it? Do you find the internet age where you've got a where you get immediate feedback a detriment to your creativity? Like personally, you know, I have an idea for something, and I just I always reduce it to a tweet because I know that I'll mm-hmm. get instant feedback of whether or not it's a good idea. Whereas yeah. years ago, it's like you could turn it into a sketch or you could turn it into a stand-up bit, and it was a longer process to eventually get to that level of approval. You can still do all those things. You can still turn it, you know, I, I still have a choice of which of those things I want to turn it into. Yeah. Number one is you never want to turn it into a tweet. Fuck. That's a that's a waste. Don't tweet anything. I know. Twitter's I not for, <laughs> Fuck. Twi- Twitter is not for jokes. If you write a joke on Twitter, I sometimes still see That's comedians. That's all I do on this. Sometimes I see comedians write jokes on Twitter, and I'm like, "What? What is this? 2010? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's people, what it's for. No, God, no. That's what he's saying. Is, Are what you is kidding? This, 2010. That's what writing it's for jokes back then? on Twitter. What the what fuck is, is what the matter is Twitter with you? for? What is Twitter for? Twitter is for promoting the shit you do on other platforms, and by going some personal news, I got a job, blah blah blah. <laughs> or I did or, a thing. Or it's for doing an angry thread. I'll do an angry political thread, and I'll say, for instance, I had a big thread. I did a thread about uh the election here in la that went like more viral than anything i've ever done on twitter got like ten thousand retweets it was covered in the la times it was all about how rick wow. caruso was a, was very close to winning the primary and and how he's a uh, you know anti-abortion you know right wing like billionaire real estate he's trump and but he's gonna put a fountain that. on every corner it's gonna be great <laughs> he's gonna put a bigger fountain in the grove <laughs> and he'll but you know so so that does well right like you need to pay attention to a serious thing that does well on twitter yeah. But like a joke? No, because people on Twitter are really stupid and most of them don't if you write a joke, most of them won't know it's a joke. They'll just be like, "I can't believe you said that." Yeah, yeah but see, that's part of the fun is you get people like that. But when you put something serious out, you get a bunch of dumb people going, "Fuck you. I hate you. I can't <laughs> believe you would say something like this." And then you're trying to respond and clarify. No, never like, respond. No, god, you guys don't know how to use Twitter at all. <laughs> I know how you to use Twitter. Also, my followers aren't stupid. You guys are, you guys are writing jokes and then you're getting into the replies. Oh my no, god. No, I'm not replying. You're replying I, to I, people on yeah. Twitter? <laughs> what are you mean? Yeah, I you know. tweet one thing and then you have to tr- you have to treat it like YouTube where your first tweet is the video and everything else is the comments. Right. And you know, you don't read the co- of course you do read it, but you don't ever let the people down there know yeah. that you saw the replies. Right. Yeah. Oh, then you're giving up all the power but of being still, the first person to tweet. You still do read you still do read them? Oh, I name search myself constantly. <laughs> yeah, a hundred times a day. Do you I ever name, name yeah. search with asterisks? Asterisks? Oh yeah. Uh, replacing certain vowels or oh, something? Oh yeah. Because you know that that's how they oh, yeah. Hide from you. Oh yeah, and then of course, of course, we all do that. I try different different variations on it. Yeah, that's when you want to see the really mean shit, which of course you want to see because it matches the horrible voice inside your head that's telling you you're a worthless piece of shit. Right. You what you want it? What? Right. And this is the main thing the internet is for is to go find people who are saying that about you, and then it validates the horrible voice oh, in yeah. your head, and then you feel like shit, but you like feel like I'm right, <laughs> like right. I know, like but yeah. But you also <laughs> want to defend yourself and say no, you're wrong. I'm not. I, this is a funny tweet. This is right no, or i wasn't joking no, or you i can't wasn't defend joking. yourself no Fuck, that's, that's do that. when you lose is when you defend yourself yeah absolutely because everyone uh, again i'm going to a different back to the earlier theory of twitter everyone underneath is the comments you're yeah. not you're don't don't interact with those people so you've got to put a boundary between you and them the haves and the have nots. This is why people quote retweet, which I don't do because I, th- that, you know, dunk dunk retweets, mm-hmm. right? Which I think is like sociopathic to do that. But there are people who their strategy is anytime there's a reply they don't like, instead of replying, 
they quote retweet yeah. so that it's then topmost on their feed and they're just now they're not replying they're taking the person's reply and like hanging it up in a little painting and saying look at this piece right. of shit this you know fucking guy yeah, yeah yeah this yeah. guy think but they're not like getting into it with that guy right. they're like talking twitter is so it's it's so sociopathic it's such a cesspool it's a horrible place and so i use it it's just like, oh, here's a here's the video I made. Yeah. Or whatever. Okay, good. That's the only way to use it. So you lost your show, Adam Ruins Everything, which sucks. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, because we we're going to dovetail. You can follow along with this outline that we've got oh, up yeah, there. Or don't. But, you a, know, which sucks. But so we talk a lot on the show about kind of the financialization of everything, the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how corporate mergers uh, just kind of make everything worse for us. But you actually yeah. lived, lived through uh, one of those restructuring i was an early victim and there are a lot more victims right now but yeah uh right this, look, this. look for, first of all adam ruins everything we did you know 65 episodes of it over the course of like four or five years it, the the show was a success you know i'm not like you know i was not like wounded i was ready to do new things by the time it, it ended but the reason it was canceled it was the second biggest show on the network it was profitable for the network uh the reason it was killed was um because at&t bought time warner right uh which was the parent company of turner which was the parent company of tbs tnt true tv all these other networks right uh, and when they did that, they uh, the first thing that they did was like assassinate True TV. Every single person who worked for the network was fired, like a hundred people, including the president of the network, who you know originally bought my show. Mm-hmm. And then they put the whole thing under TBS, and they just started canceling a whole bunch of shows. And you know that was all happening during the uh, writing of our last season. And so we you know made the la- we made the we're like all right we'll see what's going on here we made the season finale a series finale and uh you know a month after the show can you know ended the uh the the new dude in charge of TBS and TNT called me and was like yeah we're not picking up the show and I was like yeah I figured that out <laughs> right. but but like it would have kept going otherwise sure. as would have other shows on True TV and now here's the funny thing that was so that was the earlier uh, WB merger that's when AT&T the phone company bought Warner Brothers that merger uh, took like three years to put together. It was the whole time we were, in, we were making Adam Ruins everything. It was like the merger, the merger, the merger's coming. I mean, what didn't happen after the merger? Didn't even uh, Trump's Department of Justice, weren't they trying to stop they it? They tried to they, stop it and they failed in court. They said it would be bad for consumers. Yeah, they did say it would be bad for consumers. Now, I don't know the details of like what case they brought or, or why it failed. We can talk about, you know, the the legal barriers to fighting monopolies where there's a whole like legal theory uh, about mergers that's like largely wrong that like dominates the court system that leads to, uh, you know, the Justice Department failing to stop mergers because like a judge will say, fuck well, you. Well, the but. argument becomes, well, we're going to provide things for uh, cheaper for exactly. consumers instead uh, of actually here's here's the short version there's a lot of reasons to stop mergers uh, there's a lot of reasons for antitrust reform uh, or for antitrust enforcement um, for instance that uh, when one company has too much market power it is it is has too much power in society not just in the economy but you know for instance if there's just one media conglomerate that owns every television station then the one person who runs that media conglomerate controls too much of the airwaves right and like controls what people see and hear 
concern. We, we, you know, sort of think there was a time in American life when we believed that that was bad just for one company to have that much power, period, is right. like competition anti-democratic. Competition is good for people. Competition is good for people economically and also in terms of a democracy. If you've got one person or one company controlling an entire sphere of the economy, then that person actually has power over everyone else's life beyond just the economy, mm-hmm. right? Like if you've got one company that owns all the railroads or one company that makes all the cars or whatever, right? Then that company can decide, I want the cars to work this way. I want the railroads to work that way. I want prices to be. Exactly. But, but I want to be really clear. It's beyond just prices, right? It's, it's like literally how our society functions beyond just the economics of it. Well, and we're finding out maybe a a phone company managing a bunch of studios wasn't the best idea either. (laughs) Didn't they buy it for like $86 billion? They bought it for a ton of money. Um, the problem is that, uh, the, there has been a legal theory, uh, since the eighties that has taken over the judicial branch, uh, that says that actually the only reason to stop a merger isn't because of all those other reasons that we discussed. It's because uh, the only reason you you need to stop a merger is if it would cause prices to go up. It's called the consumer welfare standard. It's all that matters. And it, yeah, it basically boils down to if the company can say this will cause prices to go down for consumers, then the merger is going to be okay. Is there like a, a window? To, because we all know that eventually those prices creep back up. It's yeah, not like they can. Bust oh, the prices, the, the prices don't even go down. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, like the Justice Department had its chance to stop the merger yeah. and a judge stopped them from doing from stopping the merger and the merger went through. It's always a Reagan era policy. Well, we're why we're always absolutely with something. <laughs> and, and part of the reason it worked is because judges are not economists. And so it's it turned out to be a very easy test for them to understand. If prices go down, okay. If prices go up, not okay. And so the companies just know how to say, oh, this will cause prices to go down. Um, now, there have been waves and waves of media merger throughout you know, the country in the last five, 10 years. Does anybody feel like prices have gone down? Absolutely no. not. Prices have gone up. Your cable right. bill's gone up. You're paying more, more money for more of these services. Uh, and they still less call choices. and ask you to upgrade to extra more shit. Exactly. Well, now the, Spectrum's calling me all the time. The you're still seeing with the the Warner merge. You know, now they're talking about the Discovery Warner. That, so that's the Discovery next merger. HBO merger. Yeah, and you're, they're saying that your prices might go up, right? Because you're going to get more content, Absolutely. even though you didn't. Ask, I don't want anything on Discovery. Like <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like Food Network and all those channels. I would never pay for. Yeah, yeah. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Well, uh, to, to uh, get, I want to get to that merger in a second. What happened when AT and T bought bought Time Warner? It was an immediate disaster. They it, the Justice Department tried to stop it. Mm-hmm. It went through. They did the merger. AT and T almost immediately realized it was a horrible idea and tried to unwind the merger. So my show's canceled. I'm working on other things. Um, three years after the AT and T Time Warner merger, AT and T sells Time Warner to a different company, Discovery Plus, and now we've got the Warner Brothers Discovery merger, and that merger is now killing even more shows, like way more than were killed in the AT&T mer- So for instance, uh, I told you that when AT&T bought Time Warner, they killed True TV. After they sold Time Warner to Discovery Plus, they also killed TNT, 
TBS, and a whole bunch of other stations. Uh, Cartoon Network, they just killed the entire uh, animation studio. Adult Swim looks like it's losing a lot of shows. TBS is just gone now? Yeah, yeah. poor Ted Turner. Well, that is not very funny. The cha- <laughs> I grew up with that shit. God, yeah, right? only, if only... Slogans like that still exist. I know. Or, <laughs> or it's You're funny. talking about a happier time. Yeah. <laughs> My ex-girlfriend wrote the it's funny because it's true tagline for Your true ex-girlfriend TV. wrote it's funny because it's true. Came yes. up with it's funny because yes. it's true. And it's she, a got paid My a, she got paid a flat rate because she was just in a room. They were they were Fuck. doing like idea, general idea pitch things or something. It was like a strategy meeting. Yeah. And she said, she just like said, you know what would be a good slogan? Is it's funny because it's true. And then they were like, thank you. They, were <laughs> and like, they just ah! fucking used it yeah my ex-girlfriend did if you see something say something so no. are you serious no oh <laughs> no <laughs> Fuck. yes uh so tnt and tbs mm-hmm. right were the two original like uh cable channels that had original programming those you know those are named after ted turner right and you know tnt has had dramas forever tbs has had comedies forever um TNT, these, we know drama these channels have been around since the 80s right and uh yes they they have now been killed they still exist on your cable channel but what um uh, on on your cable box but what david zaslav the the new head of warner discovery has said is that they are they are no longer doing scripted programming of any kind. They fired the entire development departments, the entire marketing departments. TNT is going to have NBA, right? And um, right. TBS, they might they might do some reality shows, stuff like that. But in terms of like scripted programming, like you know, fucking television shows, yeah, they just don't exist anymore. True TV is the same way. True TV still exists. They have Impractical Jokers, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's all that they air because it's cheaper to make, right? It's cheaper to make. It's a non-union show. Yeah. Those guys are funny. I like those guys a lot. But that's a dirt cheap show to make that they sure. can air forever. It's basically aired as though it's on demand. If you want to watch Impractical Jokers, turn on uh, True TV. Except for there's one hour a week that they still show Adam Ruins Everything reruns at oh, right. four a.m. on Sunday mornings, and so you, you get know those residuals. I get a little bit of residual. And not quite enough to earn my health insurance for the year, but I do appreciate it. So, do you? It, it, could you argue that some of that, some of those, uh, those TV staff writers are then going into like Netflix and Hulu and stuff? Like, are, are Netflix and Hulu and the other streamers like picking up the slack? Because now Netflix has to. No, uh, judging by your face, you're God. Like, oh, no. you poor thing. No. God, no, no, absolutely not. No. Uh, well, f- so first of all. Uh, there's a lot we could talk about here. The entire like entertainment industry is contracting by 30%. It, oh, that's a number off the top of my head, but like that's what it feels like to everybody. And the reason is that Netflix uh, sold everybody a lie that for $15 a month you'd be able to uh, you know have access to every piece of media ever made, right. ad-free forever. That's what they told the public. Well, it was very much like the Uber thing where we just have to undercut everybody, monopolize, exactly and then you have to come to us yep. for your entertainment. And but then, then they, other people got in the game and they're like, oh, shit, correct. okay. But and, and the same thing as Uber, they also lied to Wall Street. They said that, hey, we're going to grow forever because our value proposition is so great. There's never going to be any competition. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, the investor money that we're using to make all this content at a loss is never going to dry up. And our subscriber number is going to go up forever. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Then earlier this year. They uh, announced for the first time that they lost subscribers. Right. Uh, for one quarter, they lost subscribers overall, and it made the entire industry freak out because all the other networks, like HBO, uh, sorry, like uh, Warner Media slash HBO, which is HBO Max, um, what they had all been doing for the past five years was murdering a very successful business model, the television business model that they had all had. They're, oh my God, Netflix is going to come and eat our lunch, right, with this $15 a month thing. So we have to kill TBS, TNT, True TV, uh, broadcast television. We have to murder all of it and shove it all onto streaming. 
And then suddenly, as right as they're all in the middle of doing that, Netflix is like, oh, oopsie, we lost subscribers. <laughs> and everybody suddenly starts slashing costs. Um, they all start making less shows. They start canceling shows. They start canceling shows that are in the middle of being filmed. Uh, by the way, uh, shows on Netflix and streaming also, they make less episodes for less you know, seasons uh, for a shorter, uh, you know what I mean? Instead of yeah, doing, yeah. television used to be, one season was 26 episodes and maybe it'd run for five years, you know? Now you're lucky if you get two seasons of six episodes each. Yeah, and, and you uh, don't get residuals. I'm assuming, and you do not get residuals. Uh, you get v- little to no residuals yeah. in streaming generally, which is a problem with the the union contracts because all the unions are working with contracts that were basically you know, they're all new media contracts that yeah. were negotiated in you know 2007, 2008, 2009 uh, with slight improvements in the years since. But you know the contracts don't reflect the fact that you know Netflix, Disney, HBO Max are now the ABC, CBS, NBC of uh, of of you know modern television and it doesn't cover so much like um or no I'm thinking of shows that were once aired on network television that then get streamed there was like nothing there was nothing that actually legally said that dictated how you were going to get paid for that residual wise like well, if if Seinfeld were terrible example were to go on Netflix it there is. was nothing well it, yeah. or what is it on Hulu I think it's on one yeah. of them yeah um yeah so all of those actors and all those writers do still get residuals but the residuals are a tiny fraction of right. what they would make otherwise so give up on your dreams of being a television writer out there <laughs> well or the, an actor because it's there's no hope it, it's it's full well Party's look, full. What, what what needs to happen to fix that is the the unions need to step up and fight for the residuals that their members need and some of the unions I think are beginning to do that um uh and that's a whole other topic we could get into but that's are you are you allowed see more to, of that over the next are week. you allowed to be this uh frank even though you know netflix is kind of cutting some of your checks oh they're not cutting my checks anymore <laughs> i mean i'm already paid for yeah, the, for the g word and i was also by the way talking shit about them while i was on press tour for oh, the wow. g word uh, because that news that they had lost subscribers for the first time happened like two weeks before the G word came out. Oh, so oh. Er, all the reporters I talked to like really want to talk about Netflix, and I was very happy to because I mean this is what I do is I I talk about you the ruin shit and everything break it down. Yeah. By the way, so, you cannot ruin these for me. This is not a p- ad placement. Are but you I just fucking love yeah. the Belvita. <laughs> Belvita, if you're out there, sponsor me for Christ's we should, sake. We should, Are you guys sponsored by Liquid Death? No. No. What? I know. What a waste. I, I assumed I was drinking this. What a what a I got I got a reusable <laughs> It's okay. It's why, okay. Why, why am I holding this? Uh, I know. actually would love to be sponsored by Liquid Death because I love the product. So Liquid Death, if you're watching, you if know, they do watch. Figures. They do watch. If you're out there, hit them up. Wait, we, For real. I, I, I love I love Liquid Death. Are there any other sponsors you want to uh shout out, yeah. shout out before? Corridor. Just Liquid Death. <laughs> <laughs> um we should talk about the G word though. Sure. It's great. I enjoyed it. I watched every, I watched all six episodes. I, you have a very you have this um unique ability to stay positive about uh, some of these <laughs> things that just make you want to scream. Yeah. Um which I appreciate because you also, you know, on your podcast, I think you have a series called like Fuck Hopelessness or something like that. Uh, that that's what I ended up calling it. Yeah, yeah the yeah. Fuck Hopelessness series. We're trying to do some positive uh, episodes, which is yeah. great because it's hard to uh, it's hard to keep people motivated when yeah. it just seems like an onslaught of just everything is fucked. Yeah. Um, but this show is a six part series that takes a look at what the government actually does, mm-hmm. where the problems are, how it can be fixed, and you know you're pretty honest about how fucked up everything is. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's an important. Uh, you do an important job of showing 
just how necessary it is for everyone. But I wanted to put up this tweet. I think it came up on my feed like yesterday, but it just reminded me of, and they talk about, they're talking about libertarians, but I honestly think it goes for everyone. And so in your own words, how would you describe libertarians? And this person responds, house cats. They're convinced of their fierce independence while utterly dependent on a system <laughs> they don't appreciate or understand. That's good. Good but, job, Jay Spaulding photo. I actually think- A photographer wrote that? <laughs> and is his profile photo Louis C.K.? No, like, no, no. He just he just looks like it. I but I, glue, yeah. but I actually think that's a lot of people, not just libertarians. I don't think people quite understand yeah. the depth of what the government does and how important it is in their daily lives. Yeah, I mean, a big part of my work generally that I try to do is show people like the invisible infrastructure that holds up your life that or that created the circumstances under which you live, right? Rather that whether that's like. One of my favorite Adam Ruins Everything segments we ever did was about like redlining and how that created the suburbs and the racial, you know, housing divisions in America. Shit that was done in the 40s and it still affects you today. And most people don't know about it. They're just like, oh, why do all the black people live over there and all the white people live over right. here? You know, until you show them like, no, this is the map. Right. And uh, that's so that can be true of here's why things are the way they are today. But also there's a whole lot of here's why what you have exists at all. And it's often because somebody like behind the scenes is like, has working really hard to. Right. And to you talk about work. some of these, you know, before some of these systems were in place, what it was like, and you, you kind of get scared cause you, you know, you watch everything get sold off and privatized right in front of your eyes. And you're like, Jesus Christ. I mean, these things came for a reason because people were getting sick and dying because people yeah. were, you know, couldn't get the help they needed. And so you, you really worry that we're heading back that way. But I, I do want to know you. So Obama is a, producer on the show yeah um there was wait some... oh barack no no barack no. obama yeah barack obama oh okay are you, are you familiar no, i was yeah but there was um sorry there were some very funny moments because you are uh i would say you're politically pretty left sure um probably... whatever you whatever you want to call me man I, i'm really happy whatever people want to call me well just i would say you're probably further left than obama tends to land that might be true <laughs> um but you are you are very polite because there's there, at the first and the last episode you end up yeah, talking to we him. Have scenes, yeah. Like in the last episode, especially you, you seem to very politely tell him, you know, <laughs> he could have done more. Uh, yeah. And it's very funny. I mean, so are you in his Martha's Vineyard home? <laughs> uh, no, that was filmed. Uh, we did film in his actual office. Okay. Um, and then we shot a scene that was, you know, in the fiction of the show or like in the world of the show. we're making the sandwiches. We're making sandwiches, which is like set in his living room. It's actually shot in his, uh, in a friend of his living okay. room in DC. Um, but it's funny you, you ask him at one point, like, because he had that, you know, hope and change activism, blah, yeah. you know, and you ask him, you know, is there a part of you that would have, would have liked to be an activist so you could do all these things and didn't get bogged down by the the political system and he was like oh absolutely but you yeah. know he's like one of the richest people in the world just has this beautiful <laughs> martha's vineyard compound and you're like come on man you're, yeah, glad, you're, it after you're, the camera you're glad you're not just a community organizer i mean my my job in that segment was so look you know he he executive produced the show he had almost nothing to do with the show right he um uh, had optioned the Michael Lewis book that the show is based on. It's a book called The Fifth Risk. Michael Lewis, wonderful journalist, uh, wrote a book about how the government works. I had read the book. I loved the book. I was asked if I wanted to pitch, you know, what I would do for a TV show based on the book because Obama's company had optioned it. I pitched it. They liked it. I made the show. And I said, I've got to make, you know, I've got to do the show that I'm going to do. I'm going to do my own investigation. And I'm not going to be doing the Obama party line. And they said, yes, I had to occasionally remind them of that as we were doing it, right? This is, uh, I, I don't 
care what, you know, the Obama political machine thinks about this topic. This is, you know, my story that I'm doing my way. Um, but I wanted to do that interview with him at the end because there's like shit I've just always wanted to ask him. Uh, and I was able to in that interview. Uh, and uh, yeah, the the main, you know, I, I, as someone who, look, his election in 2008 was, was a part of my own political awakening, you know. And oh man, we were gonna do it. We were gonna fucking change the system. It's yeah, all gonna be exactly. Right, it's all gonna be different. I have video of people like you know just dancing in the street in New York. Right when he was elected, it was hope and change, big, baby. Hope and change. And then you know, I think it's hard for not to feel disappointed by like what happened. Right by by the and it's hard not to feel like he sort of narrowed his own aspirations as as things went on. Um, and you know, my if if you asked me, you got you know, one minute with Barack Obama, what do you want to talk to him about? It would be that. And I was like, great, I have to do that on camera. So um, right. I definitely pissed him off in the interview. He was Ooh. like, why am I, why am I having this conversation with this guy? But I yeah. think we, the other goal of the interview was to, he's a, he's an incredible speaker, but you have heard him st talk so much that if you imagine yourself asking him a question, you can imagine his answer, right? You know exactly what he'll say. He's so on message at all times. And my whole goal was just to give him a little shove yeah. and like shake him a little bit and like get to a real conversation. Yeah. That was part of why I did that too, was to press him a bit. Um, he doesn't seem to be willing to take any real responsibility for, you know, missing the mark or falling short. Yeah, and, what was the Mitch McConnell thing? Well, so yeah, like you asked him, you, you know, you talked about how, you know, he won and then he was like, yeah, but you know, who else got elected? Mitch McConnell. And yeah. I was like, come on, man. I mean, especially because, you know, and it's, so in the first episode, you, I think you take three shots at him. You say, because uh, he says, it's your show. You can talk about whatever you want. And you say, we can talk about bank bailouts. And he was mm -hmm. like, whatever you want. And you said, we can talk about drone strikes. And yeah. there was like one more. Um, I forget what the third one was. Yeah, but, but yeah. Uh, so like that was very funny, but you know, and you talk about it on, at one point you talk about how much he expanded the drone program, mm -hmm. um, which I mean, it's crazy. And that's part of the problem. You know, when you talk to him, he's, he's the coolest guy. He seems so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, there's no way this guy's a bad guy. Every time I see him talk, I'm like, wait, that dude fucking rocks. And you don't want to, <laughs> you don't like, you see him playing basketball with Jay-Z and you're like, yes. He's got a killer jump shot. But then shot. you're like, wait, 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 wait. There's a lot going on here. And um, and like, so that kind of stuff, when he's like, Mitch McConnell also got elected. And, and yes, that's true. So, okay, there's going to be some obstruction there. But the one of the main things the president does have a lot of power over is foreign policy. And, mm -hmm. and, and what did he do with that power is he, he fucking made the world the worst place to be honest yeah i mean the the drone strike program is the one of the biggest stains on his administration and it was something that you know we we talked about on the show uh it was and it was important for us to talk about yeah. on the show and you know by the way some people might say like well why didn't you confront him in that interview about the drone strike program and the fact is it's pointless for me to do that because if you want to you can go find footage of college students right at at whatever interviews that he gave where they go how dare you with the drone strikes and then he gives his answer right he gives he gives the obama version of here's why here's why we uh made the best decision we could at the time we right? uh tortured some folks yeah uh, exactly and so like <laughs> there's no point in me getting that answer out of him again right? yeah but we gave a very straightforward mainstream analysis of the many problems with the drone strike yeah. program how many people it killed how many civilians it killed and you know we did that on Netflix. Right? Yeah, I mean, um, you also, you call him out on the, uh, on you know, on the Obamacare, on working mm -hmm. with, you know, private companies rather than uh, a government system. You know, you, also, I love the, I didn't realize, I, I was, I, it was driving me crazy because 
I, I'm familiar with the Ronald Reagan quote, the, the worst nine words you can hear is yeah. I'm from the government and I'm here to help or whatever. Yeah. And so the first guy who comes on from the government, it's a comedian playing a government worker and he says, I'm, I'm from the government and I'm here yeah. to help. And I'm like, is he doing that on purpose? And then you had another guy do it. And then finally you go into, but, uh, yeah, a little bit of foreshadowing there. Yeah. But it's a great, uh, it's a great little look at the American system we've built and everyone should, everyone should check it out. Thank you, man. I really, but, I'm really so, glad you liked it. What was when did you like fully push into becoming very political? Because I know on Adam Ruins everything it was a bit of it was a bit of a mix, right? You would talk about the border wall, but then you talk about like Adam Ruins sex and yeah. I mean, look, I, I uh, the way I think about myself politically is that in my work I talk about policies. You know, I talk about I talk about facts. I talk about the policies that best respond to those facts. Um, after you do that for long enough. You start to ask, how do you put those policies into place, right? If we all agree that, uh, you know, the the way that we've designed our cities is is completely fucked up, mm-hmm. um, we talk about why we got there, and we talk about uh, uh, what needs to be done to fix it. Well, the next question is, how do we actually put the good policies in place? And now you're talking about politics, and so that's how uh, you know I think of myself as having gotten politically involved is like trying to figure out how to how to execute the shit that we're talking about you know i don't know yeah. how you have that optimism because when i reflect on why our cities are structured the way they are i just get so pissed off and then i think about how ineffective the government is at all levels that i just i feel like there's no way we'd ever be able to get anything fixed Los Angeles, for example. How the fuck are, would we fix anything? Oh, well, we can talk about uh, the, you know, incredible movement that's happening for change in Los Angeles right now politically that's, like, sweeping the city at the same time as the city is going through, like, horrible political turmoil because mm-hmm. of these, like, awful the revelation of these not just racist remarks but, like, racist uh, exclusionary policies and politics that are being practiced. Because yeah, they were doing the, the district redistricting, redistricting to race, help each other. Racist redistricting. Yeah, yeah, and and back backroom deals and shit like that. But at the same time, there's also like a, a true movement sweeping through LA that is like uh, that that you can go join if you feel like it. Um, so, but what I'll say to the broader point about like how do we how do we begin to fix anything? Mm. Uh, uh, this is like one of my mantras. Um, when you are uh, when you are born and you are a child and a baby, the adults in your life tell you, oh, the the world was built on purpose, right? It was built rationally. Everything makes sense. You know, uh, everything was put in place to help you. Uh, there's a system. It works really well, right? Because that's what they they would they want to believe. That's what they want, want you to believe. Um, everyone has a moment where they get older and they go, hold on a second. No, no this shit is fucked up. Like, the wor- things are wrong. Everything, wait, this is horrible that it's like this. Um, Then some of those people make the choice to go, you know what? I'm going to try to fix some of the fucked up shit, okay? And then they put their back into it, and they put the effort into fixing shit, and then they die. Hey. Yeah, they blow your head off when you're uh, when you're driving through Dallas in a in a convertible <laughs> well, limo. Well, okay, that's some people. Right? That's if you yeah. try to go too far. But yeah. the only reason that anything good exists in the world at all is because some people made the choice to do that. You right. know, that's the only reason that like uh, America exists as a country is because fucking Thomas Jefferson woke up in colonial Britain in North America and was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" You know, let's ah fuck, let's try to do something right, and then he died. 
<laughs> and then and with the job undone, right, with a whole lot of slaves that he then, I don't know, bequeathed to his next of kin um, because he was a fucking asshole just like everybody else. Uh, but, you know, you have the choice to do the same thing yourself as to, like, you know, grab a fucking shovel and, you know, make a little bit of a difference in some way that you can, and then you'll die, and then other people will hopefully pick up the shovel. That's basically all there is to being human. If you don't want to participate in that, you can just be one of the lazy people who just, I don't know, eats the food everybody else is growing until well, you and, could go the Kaczynski route and <laughs> send some mail. I'm not saying not everybody who, who works is... Not, not everybody... Is lazy who doesn't want to? You know, sure. some people are unable to. to well, there's, yeah, there's also a big, a big part of the system we've created here is people are, you know, to get by they have to work multiple jobs. They have to exactly. You know, yeah. There's no viable way for them to have affordable childcare. So I mean, participating civically isn't really. It's uh, not. It's not available to everyone. Yeah. That's true. Um, but. I'm sure it's uh, available to a lot of the people who are watching this show, listening to this show. Yeah. And, you know, you, you have you have that choice. I think that is one of the most realistic things you've talked about of, you know, fighting hopelessness. Right. Is just getting involved, finding a group. It's certainly easy in L.A. I mean, there's a ton of chapters of any kind of yeah. organization you might want to join. Yeah. So to elaborate on that, like one of the reasons that we feel politically helpless is that we've been sold a false vision of political action by the media and by those in power. Mm -hmm. And that false vision is you as an individual have no power. All you can do is vote and give us money. And we all know that, well, okay, voting is, look, yes, I got to vote. It's better than not voting, but we all know that's just one vote among millions. And we all know that the money that we donate is not being spent in great ways. Every so often a candidate comes along where we're like, oh, I really want to give Bernie Sanders or whoever my 50 bucks. But apart from that, we know that that's not effective and we're not being told what the other option is um the other option is how change has been made throughout american history and throughout a history of uh humanity which is people working together in groups it's you joining something it's you going to a meeting once a week or even once a month or even once every couple months it's you uh, you know, becoming active in your union or starting a union. It's you like fucking starting a little like political working group in your fucking church. You know, it's uh, it, it, stuff, you know, we used to have like um, Masonic temples and Elks lodges and Boy Scout groups. And, you know, like uh, um, Americans used to get together in organizations to do things. And uh, we have had a culture that's preached individuality at all of us for decades. And as a result, we all feel helpless because we're and like, I they, can't do it alone. Yeah, they build the cities that way, too. Like, that's yeah. part of why Los Angeles is built to keep you cut off from Ugh, other people. I hate it. But so the reason, so here's how I got involved uh, politically in Los Angeles is um, I was really sick of uh, walking by homelessness every day mm -hmm. and, you know, doing the avert your eyes thing. I'm not going to look, right? I'm like, this is horrible. I don't like doing this. I would walk by the same woman every day on, on the same bench and, like, not make eye contact with her. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I heard from a friend of mine who had a wonderful podcast called LA Podcast about LA local politics. This guy, Hayes Davenport. Um, oh, yeah. You know Hayes? Fucking, um 
Hollywood Handbook. Yes, that? Hollywood yeah, Handbook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he had a podcast called the LA Podcast, and he talked about. Dude, it. he's sorry to cut you off, but wasn't he like a TV writer, and then he fucking left to Correct. work for Nithia? Exactly. That shit's fucking cool. He was a TV writer. He actually quit a show running job to go uh, do uh, homelessness outreach and and local politics full time, and he inspired a lot of people, yeah, yeah. including myself. And he said uh, he said on an episode of the podcast, "Hey, we have a group. It's called Sela. It's uh, a neighborhood homelessness coalition, and we go out every weekend with water and snacks, and we talk to the." unhoused folks in our neighborhood and we try to you know if we can connect them with services and things like that but really it's just like neighbors talking to neighbors i was like i want to do that i started doing it i had it was a little bit nerve-wracking but i after a couple times i was like oh i know how to do this like once you realize you actually can talk to someone suffering in your neighborhood and you go like hey how's it going you want a bottle of water it's like transformative Hmm. then the people i met through that group were people who cared about homelessness um and a bunch of those people were politically active uh, they started asking me, hey, there's a neighborhood council meeting. It'd be really helpful if you would come and, you know, speak to your experience because there's a lot of neighbors riled up about homelessness and and, you know, they, they need to hear it from someone who's been done engagement at these encampments. I said, yeah, sure. And then one of the founders of that group was a woman named Nithya Raman, who's uh, um, eventually ran for city council um, here in L.A. And I joined her. I volunteered for her campaign because I knew her personally and I I knew what values she stood for in terms of homelessness, which were rather than sweeping people from one corner to another she's about like going to people one at a time saying what kind of housing are you looking for and using the power of the council office to try to find that person housing and uh now that she's been elected she's had great success doing that throughout uh, her district um and like a lot of encampments are now gone not because she's swept them away but because she's like those people literally are in permanent housing now mm-hmm. um but so because I knew her, I was like, I know what values she she has. And I and I campaigned really hard for her. Um, and now she's fucking in office like she won. And because she won, there's uh, three more candidates or or four, depending on how you want to count them, are running for city council this year. One has already won. Looks like two more are going to win. Ugo and Ugo, Ugo Soto-Martinez. Eunices um, a- uh, already won in CD1. Ugo Soto-Martinez is running in CD13. Um, there's also Aaron Darling in CD11 on the west side. And there's a couple other candidates. Which who, is a big deal in L.A. because the L.A. City Council has a lot of power here. Yes. In L.A., we only have 15 council members um, for a city of, you know, whatever, millions and millions. So each, right. of, the, each of them represents like 250,000 people. Um, and so they're basically mini mayors. Um, and taken together, they're more powerful than the, than the mayor. And, uh, you know, they've the whole city has been run by people like, uh, you know, have been in the headlines on this tape. Uh, that if you've followed the news at all of the last couple of weeks, um, these politicians were caught on tape saying horribly racist things and also scheming to redistrict, basically gerrymander the city in right. order to exclude black people's voices from from being able to uh, elect their preferred representatives. Like saying, oh, let's give the airport to this guy. And, you know, no, I want to make sure I have this because that'll help me get reelected. Um, so that's the old way of doing politics in L.A. And we used to have 15 people who ran the city that way. After Nithya won, we had 14. After this election, maybe we're going to have 12 you know like the numbers are going down we're building allies and pretty soon we might like be able to take over the city with people who actually give a shit and you know really want to make the city work well and that won't be i'm not gonna say that's gonna be a utopia right there's still gonna be problems at that point but it really can make a difference and the way it started was me joining Mm -hmm. the sorry the whole movement didn't start from me joining the homelessness group (laughs) no no but my involvement yeah yeah. (laughs) take it my involvement came from me saying i care about homelessness Oh, let me join a group, 
Right. Um, I will say the Los Angeles comedy scene has been a pretty cool way to get involved. Um, The entire comedy scene has been turned on politically by Nithya's election and and by people like Hayes. Like uh, most comics I speak to now know who Hugo Soto Martinez is, whereas five years ago they wouldn't know the name of a single city council person right. let alone a candidate i don't know if you've have you ever ended up at uh little secret those comedy shows they uh-huh the last one i went to was a fundraiser for ugo yeah um but it's great i mean sarah silverman is there trying to raise money and you're like this is i don't remember this being yeah. like this just a few short years ago yeah and and that's the power of people paying attention at all like right. that's what you're seeing is that like the public is now, especially after these racist tapes were leaked, the public is paying attention to the city government in a way that they weren't before. And like, shit is materially gonna change as a result. Like shit, like I live in Nithya's district and shit is different in the district now Hmm. because she's been elected. But it can start with you joining something. So what I tell people again, is that a union? Is that a church? Is there a local? A lot of people get started by joining a local chapter of a group like the DSA. Or if you don't say, if if you don't want to say I'm a socialist, uh, like there's the League of Women Voters, right? Is a is one of these groups that has a chapter in almost every city in the country, and you can start going to the meetings. You yeah. know, and uh, I don't have you seen those tweets going around of uh, I think some big article came about about you know American loneliness and how people mm-hmm. have fewer and fewer and fewer. Fewer and fewer friends. Oh, yeah. I just saw that. <clears throat> but yeah. this is... Uh, it's like one out of 10 people have dude, no friends. I, it was so depressing. But And that's the thing. If you feel lonely, I mean, I, I go to meetings like this and it's it not only makes you feel less hopeless, but you're just talking to people who, have, who yeah. are like-minded and it's a great way to meet people. And if you're maybe a little nervous, I'm sure if you live in a medium to large city, there are, are tons of things like that are here where it could just be like a comedy thing that's raising money. It could yeah. be concerts. So... Get out there and meet people and fucking help change yeah. the world. This is how change happens. You know, when people talk about, uh, just to give you a, another example of this, um, when talking about guns, there's guns, Emil's got two right there, locked and loaded at all times. <laughs> gun, gun control advocates will often say, and this is a mistake, they'll say that the reason gun rights advocates have dominated America politically is because of all the money that the gun makers spend or the gun lobby and stuff like that. And that's a part of it, but it's not really true. The real reason that the NRA has so much power is because the NRA is a mass membership organization. The NRA has millions and millions and millions of members who don't just write due, you know, pay dues to the organization. They have meetings that you can go to where they will teach you how to, you know, fucking and clean and fire a gun mm-hmm. and they'll do bake sales and whatnot and they're like members like it's a thing that you can join and just I don't know have a good time talking with other people who like guns and then when it's time to go yell at a congressperson they'll send you an email and you go show up and you scream at whoever is trying to put in place a, a pretty sensible piece of gun control legislation well now you have like a, you have a stake in it you're like yeah these are my those are my friends you're talking about. Exactly. That's fucking Becky. We do the bake sale. Exactly. We're gonna take you, away her right. You're a member of something. <laughs> right. Right. And and so that's the important thing is to is to join because there is a local group that you can join in your area that needs you to be a part of it. You know, there's one club that that very few people can get to call themselves a member of, and that's the Billionaires Club. Right. So switching gears here just a little bit. <laughs> that was so smooth. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. So smooth. We uh <laughs> we talk a lot about billionaires on here. And we have our favorites. We love, uh, let's see, we love Jeffy B. 
We sure. love Elon Musk. Yep. Oh, we're gonna get fat heads best. of all these guys and, and stick them on the. <laughs> God damn, we should. We should get. That would should. be very funny. <laughs> we should. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> That'd be very fun. But uh, you, you, you had your Patagonia video, which yeah. kind of made us look like assholes. Because when it first happened, we both were like. Like everybody, everybody felt saying, "Ah, oh, that's cool." We were also roasting him a little bit. I don't know if you read the New York Times article, but it was, I just couldn't get over the fact that he's a billionaire. And he was like, "Look, I'm not like these other billionaires. I don't drive a Lexus." And I'm like, "I do love that. That's the nicest car he could think of." Yeah, yeah. He says, <laughs> "I he says, I don't drive a Lexus. I drive a Subaru." Yeah. Oh, what'd you save? Three grand? Like, and what do you probably got the Eddie Bauer edition <laughs> right. anyway? Okay. Is that the all trails Eddie Bauer edition? Yeah, you know it is. That's like the fully loaded eighty thousand dollar one. <laughs> he got he's got a Subaru, don't you? Yeah, but I got the base model. Okay. Don't yeah, come for me true. at a YouTube video. Okay. I got the it base model. It fucking drives me nuts. Every time he stops, it it does that newfangled that's every, thing. That's every new car. I hate that. What shit. is the newfangled thing? The, the, where the car stops. Oh yeah, it, like and, and then when off. you hit the gas it's like Vroom. Yeah, it starts up again. I, I hate it. I'm glad that they're saving the gas, but I also find it unsettling when I'm in a car that does the, where the where the engine starts once yeah. they hit the gas It's got to be terrible for the spark plugs or yeah. something to be don't worry constantly about my spark reactivated. Plugs, right? I got to worry cuz if I don't who will? <laughs> Okay, so um, I don't know what. But so you're you're taking you're taking aim at a, a good billionaire, and uh, <laughs> yeah, the name of the video is there are no there is no such thing as a good billionaire. Have you read um, Anand uh, Giridas? Winners take all. Yeah, I have read it. Yeah, okay. It, it's very much this you mm-hmm. know billionaire philanthropy is not going to save us. Yeah, and it, it's very easy to fall uh, into like I mean, come on, Ivan is cool, Patagonia is cool. We we love our fucking sure. nano puffs. But so what is the problem with billionaire philanthropy? Exactly? Well, so the problem is with so Yvonne Chouinard, uh, you know, donated the company to fight climate change. What he actually did is he so, I believe solely or he and his family solely uh, own all of the shares of Patagonia. It's a privately held company. Right. So he donated the voting shares, which is only two percent to a family trust that he and his family will continue to control in perpetuity, paid a small amount of tax on that. Um, and then he donated the rest of the shares to a 501c4, which is a technically a nonprofit, but a 501c4 status as opposed to a three status means it can make political donations and do direct political campaigning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that means is uh, this 501c4 is now forever going to receive uh, about $100 million a year is the estimate in Patagonia profits that they say they're going to use to help the planet. Um, and we just have to take their word for it on that. Now, let's say that they do. All right. Let's let's say it's a good, uh, you know, they're not lying and they actually do use it to help the planet. couple problems there. First of all, uh, Yvon Chouinard and his family will unilaterally control exactly what that money is spent on. And, you know, that's not the best way to help the world is to let one billionaire and his family uh, decide what they think is best. Right. You know, there's, that's, un, that's fundamentally undemocratic. It's the opposite of democracy. Um, and, as opposed to, you know, if you tax it, well, then we decide democratically how the money is spent. Uh, now, that's not a perfect process, right? Uh, our, our control over taxation. But I would argue that part of the reason it's not a perfect process is because rich people have so much control over the political system that they're able to make sure taxes are spent in ways that they like. Um, so I think it's you know part and parcel of the, of the same problem. Uh, the other problem, though, is that uh, part of the reason he's doing this is because it maintains political power for him and his family forever. Like they are going to be, as I say in the video, they're going to be flown around the world to meet elected leaders. They're going to be, you know, headline conferences. They're going to be able to, they'll certainly be able to make lots of uh, personal profit off the fact that they control a hundred million dollars a year in charitable donations. 
um, and or charitable, I should say charitable donations, because, again, we don't know what they're going to be spent on. Um, and that's like not good to let billionaires like hoard power and money that way. Like it's, it's the, the, the fundamental motivation for him doing it is not just that he I believe that he cares about the planet. Right. And he's looking for ways to help it. But his original motivation is that if he were to die and give the company to his children, he would have to pay one point two billion dollars in gift taxes. And he doesn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. He wants instead to how can I make sure my children will continue to be the people who control the company and I don't have to pay any tax on it. Aha. I can do this complicated 501c4 structure, no taxes, and uh, my kids will be rich and powerful forever. And. There's a lot of other examples of this that um, are not that are either neutral or very bad, right? Even if you want to say what Yvonne Chouinard is doing is going to be a net good for the planet, okay? Maybe it is. However, there are tons of other billionaires who are doing the exact same thing for evil. I talk in the video about this guy Barry Seed or Side, who uh, did this, who did the exact same structure, but all of his money is going to Leonard Leo, who's the guy who stacked the Supreme Court with the radical conservatives who overturned Roe versus Wade, and by the way, also banned the EPA from regulating climate change emissions. So, uh, you know, and this and this guy's money, the uh, billions, just like in Yvonne Chouinard's case, is going to go directly towards making sure the Supreme Court is still stacked with those conservatives so that no environmental regulation will ever withstand the court system. So I would say that allowing billionaires to make donations like this is overall a net negative to the planet massively. Sure. I agree with you, but I think sometimes, I mean, and it goes back to the helplessness thing and the hopelessness thing of, you know, so sure, we would be able to tax him his billions and what it's just going to go to... But, you know, drones. it's it, and drones and well, wh why do you why do you make that assumption that it would go to drones? No, drones is a you know, it was a joke, in, but it it doesn't seem like our taxes are allocated in the way uh, they should give us the choice. I don't think they go where I would want them to go, right? It seems like no matter you know, right? And 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 so let's just go down that road a little bit. Why don't you feel that you have? a say over where the taxes go. Because I've never seen it, you know, when I look around, things get worse and worse. I don't right. see investments in public infrastructure. I don't see investments in healthcare. I don't see investments in and you don't education. Feel, you don't feel that the government is responsible to, is responsive to democracy, right? That it's a, you, right. you don't feel it's democratic enough. Right. So those are the same problem. The problem that we allow Yvonne Chouinard to amass money and power and his family in perpetuity and never say, no, that's the public's on some level and it needs to be responsive to the public is the same problem as the government not being responsive, responsive right. to the public. And so if we were to get serious about the one, we have to get serious about the other. That's that, that would be my argument. Right. Like it's, uh, you know, it, and a beneficent billionaire is not going to solve that. For yeah. Us. I mean, cynicism leads to cynicism, leads to cynicism, leads to cynicism. And right. so if we're going to if that's all we're going to do, then, yeah, sure. You can say, well, nothing is ever going to change. Nothing is good. Let billionaires do whatever they want. But then you're just accepting a shit world. And I don't think that we should do that. Yeah. But sometimes it seems like, OK, that's closer than we've got. Like, I remember people trying to. So, did you see that Mark Cuban is trying to do um, the Mark Cuban's the extravaganza healthcare, the discount drug pharmaceuticals? Company. Sure. And ideally, the government should be able to provide cheap pharmaceuticals for people, you know, for people who need these things to live, right? And, well, not but, manufacturing them, but paying for them. You mean? Yeah, and you know, 
putting caps on insulin, making sure people can get these at an affordable price so they don't have to ration them, ultimately end up in the hospital or dead. Mm -hmm. But instead, it's like, wow, this is this seems like the best shot I've seen for people to get cheaper pharmaceuticals. His like cost plus yeah, but, 15. But oh, okay. So Mark Cuban is using some little scrap of his billions, mm -hmm. right? To help how many people in America get cheaper medical care? Tens of people. 10,000 <laughs> 10, people. Right? You don't think it's more, what it if we more fucking, what if we fucking taxed all of the billionaires and then had single payer fucking health care? That'd be great. Oh, I mean, I see. I would prefer that. But, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when okay. I'm, but when I'm saying, so, why is that not the thing that people that we try to make happen? Because there's and, money in politics. So, so then your argument is everything. Well, then your argument comes down to, well, that's not going to happen. Right. So we should just let Mark Cuban do whatever. And I'm like, all right, I don't think we should set our sights that fucking low. Mm. I think we should say. No, it's unacceptable the world that we live in, and we want a better one, and let's fight for it. Like, what is the... Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you. I just think... When like, I like, what these billionaires do... You know this guy, his name is like Pulte or something? He's on Twitter, and he gives away money. He's like a millionaire or a billionaire, and he, he has this... Uh, he, he does this thing where he, like gives out $200 to people who tweet him. He's a, oh, he's, a, yeah. he's a billionaire who spends his whole time on Twitter going, if you're struggling you know, at me and I might DM you 200 bucks. And he has created a cult of people around him who are like, Oh my God, he's so generous. He's so <laughs> wonderful. Cause this guy is giving away scraps of money yeah. to needy people in America. Right. That is what all of these billionaires are doing. That is what Mark Cuban is doing. He says, you know what? I've got how many billions does, does probably like have? five. Let's say he has 5 billion, right? He's like, well, guess what? For 10 million, of my billions, I have 0.1%. I can uh, make hey, everybody yeah, love me. Oh, 4.6, we were right on. Um, I can make people love me by uh, devoting just a tiny fraction of my fortune towards like something that, yes, is helping a small number of people. But the only reason he's able to do that is because nobody's taking the rest of his fucking money away. Right. And then potentially launch a uh, political career later in life on that Absolutely. on that goodwill he's getting. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a very weird thing. It It's... An, I'm not putting any shame on like fucking Shaq or anything, but I just saw this video because it's weird. I, Why'd Shaq come up? Because I'll, I'll tell you, but it's. <laughs> Let's hear him out. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. But <laughs> and, and I like to start all my sentences with and and no shade to Shaq. Well, I but... just I just wanted to I just wanted to clear that up so people know I don't care what Shaq does. I don't think he's like. <laughs> I don't think he's our biggest problem. There was a video where he goes around and he's he's like, he's. He's like, I love whenever I go somewhere, I I like to buy someone something. So he like, it's a video where he he sees a kid, maybe it's in a Walmart something. He's like, do you have a bike? And the kid's like, no. Mm. And he's like, go pick out whatever bike you want. And then you know, it's a uh, him to the camera talking about how like you know I just have too much like, and so I got to. And it's I'm like, these people don't even seem to enjoy this. It seems to like rack them with guilt that yeah, they, feel they they terrible. they're like. People have too little, and I need to yeah. do something. Yeah. And so I'm, you know. And so all they do is they go around <laughs> handing ten dollar bills. Yeah, I'm like, it's not good for people. Like this it, shit is the. F have you seen the helpful Honda ads? Oh are you familiar God, with the, the radio Honda ads. ads. Yeah. And and on TV, these yeah. are ads where I don't know if it's throughout the country. It's certainly all over the place in SoCal, where the, the your Southern California Honda dealer, uh, helpful Honda, and they just 
they just their Honda ads where they just go up to people and give them like a twenty dollar bill, and then the people go, "Thanks, Honda." Yeah. And then the idea is now we should go buy Hondas because they gave one guy a little bit of money. I saw once where they went up to a a college student and they said, "It's finals, right? It's it's hard to get good enough stuff to eat, right? Like you you probably don't have that much money because you're a poor college student." Well, guess what? <laughs> we here at Helpful Honda got you a whole case of instant ramen. Yeah, and the and the students like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> this is like five dollars worth of ramen. Get me some real fucking food. Right. Why don't you? Why, why don't you give me? Why do you give me like a living fucking wage? Why don't you give me ten thousand right. dollars? You know. Instead, and the Honda's like, we're so, oh, we helped out somebody today, <laughs> and also we're helping you out with a new fucking Honda Civic. Fuck you. Yeah. Right. You know that. What is? We're we're such suckers for falling for this shit time and again. And a big part of the video that I made is that we've been falling for it since the literal late nineteenth century. Right. Because this is the same shit Andrew Carnegie did. Like it's the oldest fucking trick in the book. So, which begs the question, and I I think about this often is, so what 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 do we cap it at? A billion dollars? Five hundred million? Because even five hundred million? What do we million, cap wealth at? Yeah, like and and. Also, when you're so to use Jeff Bezos as an example, he first hit a billion dollars, however, 20 years ago. It's like and when most of your wealth is is tied up in the stock, your your ownership of a company, is it so when the market cap of the company reaches however much that gives you a billion dollars, does the government take enough away that it drops it back down below a billion? And then if the stock keeps appreciating, does the government keep taking away stock like? What I mean, is your opinion? I, I don't. I look. Uh, I I I am not uh, the person who should be crafting the policy. Sure. Um. I will say that uh, it, there's there's this claim that's often made that you can't tax the billionaires because their wealth isn't liquid. Right. And so, you know, it's like Elon Musk. Yeah, he's the world's richest man, but most of it's Tesla stock. So how is he supposed to pay 30 percent of that? Right. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. All of those billionaires take loans out against that equity to fund their lifestyles. Like Elon. Right. Yeah, the buy, exactly. borrow, die thing um, where you like you just keep getting loans based on your collateral and yeah. then you end up once you have that much wealth. money you can get money out with but it. but right? those so, loans can also be taxed like they're living off that there's there's ways to figure it out but i also would yeah. say they they got here through uh like decades of bad policy uh and so yeah it just needs. yeah to i mean uh, like so uh, in the video i talk about how we put in you know during the new deal era put in lots of different policies of different types stronger labor unions a much higher rate of taxation on income a bunch of other shit and as a result like the age of robber barons like ended for 50 years we didn't have mark zuckerberg's and jeff bezos's you know if you look at you know, there was Carnegie, Rockefeller, DuPont, people like that. And now we've got Bezos and Musk and people like that in between. There's nobody because we put in a bunch of different policies that caused power to be distributed more equally among uh, mostly white people, but still like more equally in a lot of different senses. Right. And that's something that we can do again. Like it's not it, it, it's when people start going, well, how are you going to do it? I don't know, man. We'll figure it out. Let's agree on the principle first. That's a good point. And like, uh, let's agree on the principle. First. Yeah, but they're yeah. so cool. Do we really want Elon Musk to go away? Come on, man. That's oh, the coolest he's so, guy. He's so epic. <laughs> <laughs> he's the most epic guy. That is part of the problem too. I do think, I mean, we're joking. We make fun of him a lot. If you haven't noticed the, uh, the title of the show is ironic. We like to poke fun at a lot of this stuff. It's called but, Trillionaire Mindset. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah 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 but uh 
you know, what's the what was it John Steinbeck with the you know the problem with Americans is they don't see themselves as poor people; they see themselves as like disgraced millionaires yeah. who haven't made it yeah. yet. I think everyone's like, Ooh. well, if we institute these policies, I'm not going to be able to be that fucking guy someday. Yeah. And someday there's that, there's that, and then there's also the fact that people feel so alienated from society they feel so hopeless they feel like nothing they do matters that then when they hear about a billionaire doing something good they're like oh maybe everything will be fine mm. because elon will t I, I remember feeling that way myself like before i really started looking into elon musk you know this was like uh eight to ten years ago and i just heard about like oh this guy's like investing so much money in like green technology yeah, and same. stuff like that He's i was save like humanity i was like oh that's great and I know that people felt that way about the Patagonia guy too. Oh, my, oh, that's wonderful. Oh, a good one. Mm. Oh, oh, I feel relief. But, but like, to uh, the reason we have that emotion is because we've we've accepted this vision of our own powerlessness that is not true. Like, we have so much power. Were we to get together, form, you know, form into groups, get politically organized, and fucking use it? We yeah. don't need these motherfuckers to decide how the world is supposed to run. We can do it together. Right. We could also, probably the three of us, kick uh, any one of their asses. It's true. I know. <laughs> I know. I could take Elon one on one. Look, Elon Musk is such a—he's such a fucking moron. He's—he's <laughs> he's, he's he's, he's one of the stupidest men to live. The guy stumbled into making some money on PayPal, right? Oh, man, there's he, like he, five guys out there who are going to be so mad. He half okay. found it. He half found. Look, by the way, I'm so sad that everybody hates Elon now because I was the first. All right, and I was saying this shit <laughs> back when everybody thought he was incredible, and I was. Is nobody else seeing this? Yeah. The guy. The guy is like partially responsible for PayPal, uh -huh. the payment service, that sucks. That's yeah. great job. Then he purchased as, uh, he purchased an interest in Tesla oh, yeah. after the company started, kicked out the original founder who sued them and then got an arbitrator to decide, or maybe I forget exactly how they decided it, but he got himself listed as a co-founder, yeah. invented nothing with that company. Uh, SpaceX, you know why SpaceX exists? He bought it's, it from guys he, he bought it but also the federal government decided it was going to get out of the business of right. uh itself doing uh NASA. you know putting money doing nasa and, and sending people to space and it said we're gonna start like paying private companies to do it and spacex was just like uh we'll take that money please yeah. and that's it that so it's a profitable company but that's because it's just a fucking government space it's suckling at the government's teeth and that's part of the reason why he is so fucking untouchable is because of their reliance on SpaceX at this point, I think. I mean, that's part of it. That he's been so, you know, he can do and say whatever he wants. He can just piss a little bit of money at whatever lawsuit comes his way. I mean, he was able to $44 billion to buy Twitter, which is great, by the way. Which I mean, he's like... That whole Twitter thing is just like, how fucking stupid can you be? Like, every step of it was the was him making the stupidest decision anyone's ever made, right? Just like, I don't know. I Kanye like... buying uh, Parler is, <laughs> is up there. But I feel like maybe you just don't see his vision because it's leading to X, which is the internet of everything. And yeah. it's going to, he just cut three to five years off of X. So maybe you just don't see it. The tunnels are what drive me fucking <laughs> Oh, the, oh the fucking, you put a Tesla under Las Vegas and just drive through a tunnel at 35 yeah. miles an hour? Like, That's fucking cool. He, 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 the guy destroyed so many public transportation projects. There were, it, people forget the Hyperloop, right? Which was a fake plan that has never been built. Um, 
uh, when he announced it, it was specifically him saying we shouldn't build a bunch of other public transportation projects because I have a better one. And a bunch of projects were canceled because of the Hyperloop, which was fucking fake. Yeah. Right. Like it's never been built. And the and the the boring company like it's just building a couple tunnels already existed, motherfucker. Yeah. What the what is your what is any of this? Thank you. Yeah. Oh man, when we saw that, I mean, we were talking about it on the show. We were like, "Has this guy never seen a fucking subway? It's gonna, he's gonna, <laughs> his head's gonna explode." When I mean, that's what everybody subway. said. Yeah. yeah. Like, wait do you hear about trains, <laughs> my man. Ridiculous. But I mean, that lends itself to the stuff you talk about on the show. Of you know, you talk about how basically since the 1980s, and it started before that. Carter was uh, deregulating things, and and it's been going on forever. But there's been a complete loss of confidence in government and and everyone's pushing that message of like the private sector can do it better and we're now living in the apex of like this is the world this is what we traded and we're getting to see not just not just government because i I think i look that show was about the government and so of course we focused on that but i think people get a little caught up on government it was a loss of faith in public goods period on things being for the public Things being public used to be a good thing in America. Public pools, public transportation, public parks. That used to be like a value. And if you go to some cities, you know, the reason I, I uh, am a fan of, you know, I, I grew up in, in New York and I love New York City. One of the Best reasons is got. there's still a lot of public shit in yes. New York City. New York, you know, I was just there and people were like, oh my God, you got to see the park that they built under Domino the Brooklyn park. Bridge. Domino Park too. They built they built parks everywhere. Yeah. They, they started public water taxis like public ferries like it is a city that is still built on you know what everybody needs this let's make a really good one for now a lot of stuff still sucks in new york but like when was the last time los angeles created something that's for the public and said wow look at how great this is Uh, you know it it almost dude well even the new k-line the k-line is good they do that the same time as they're cutting bus service which is la actually has a fantastic bus system that goes all over the city and that's what most people rely on but they they're cutting bus service at the same time that they open the k-line which they're building for the olympics but even i mean during the pandemic i went to go visit friends and oh so you've got friends yeah in, in new york and they've got all these fucking public streets closed off. People are going down, walking around, seeing each other outdoors in like a safe yeah. way. And I was like, it is nice out all year round in L.A. Why? I couldn't think of a, a like a place in L.A. where I yeah. could go do that. I was like, what the fuck? Why do they hate us having any sense of community? You know here? what? You can you know where you could go do that. There's a couple places in the Los Angeles area where you could go do that. You could go do it at Disneyland. You could do <laughs> no, for real. You could do it at the Grove at the Americana. You could do it at one of our many outdoor malls. And when you think about it, what where do people like to go? For to relax with their families, they like to in in Southern California. They like to go to a place where they can park, and then they can walk around an area where there's lots of little shops and places right. to eat and things to look at. A fucking city, right. in other words. Yeah, that is what like Rick Caruso, who's running for mayor, that's what he's built his career on building for us. We could have that. Mm-hmm. We could have that just all around us all the time, and we wouldn't need to drive, you know, uh, an hour and a half to Anaheim in in our hot fucking bubbles <laughs> because yeah, we could just do it. If we if we were willing to build that world for ourselves, right? So, uh, part of the show, well, part of the show, I would say sixty percent of the show, the intent is to educate people on on the stock market and <laughs> and everything oh. they're in. Oh, okay. Yeah, and teach people, you know, because it's it's so much a part of what drives things politically, societally. Is that a word? Societally? Yeah. Let's say it is. I'm just curious. Do you own any stocks yourself? 
I have uh, a bunch of index funds that are. I have a retirement account with a bunch of index funds in it. I'm a big. Uh, just I. I just do that. The yeah. Vanguard shit. I do the Vanguard shit. Yeah. That's I, a good uh, route. I. Uh, yeah. I read one blog post about like the Boglehead thing. Yeah. You know this. Bogle. John Bogle. That's the guy who. Oh, the Vanguard. He's yeah. the founder of Vanguard. There's, yeah. the, there's community of people online. They're they're like the Bogleheads. And the idea is based. It's just it's just Vanguard shit. It's like you you get a really low cost index fund, you balance it out, and then that's it. Yeah. Um, Part of it is too. He said, I think he was the guy who who like was running the numbers of like most investors aren't beating the market. Yeah. yeah. So why aren't you just most investors right? aren't beating the market and they're paying like three percent in fees. Right. So you're um, just getting fucked when you so can instead just... pay 02 percent in fees and just try to match the market. Right. Um, and that is what in fact I do. What do you think of that? Uh, I can't remember his name, but there was this billionaire who famously gave away all of his fortune down to his last $3 million because that's what he and his wife decided was just enough for them to skate by for the rest of their lives. You heard of this guy? I have not heard of him. Ah, oh, shit. He'd be a great thing for you to ruin. <laughs> well, that's that's, a, that's I mean, an look, annoying that, thing. That would be, if, if that's what he actually did, right? I believe if, he did. If he gave it to organizations run by other people yeah. that are good organizations, and if he didn't say, hey, here's what I want you to spend it on, and stuff like that, if he actually gave up power mm-hmm. in addition to money, then that is interesting to me. Yeah. You know, the... Um, uh, maybe maybe there's a dark secret to her because I haven't looked into it. But but uh, Jeff Bezos's ex-wife, Mackenzie right? Scott, Mackenzie yeah. Scott, she can't give it away fast enough. Um, if she is doing at least a better job than most of them are, right? yeah, because she's just like giving the money away. The alternative is you start a foundation, right, that has your name on it, and then you're you're hoarding power, right? Like when all these, you know, Zuckerberg, Buffett, all of them. They donate money to their own foundation, and the foundation lives after they die. Self-sucking. You know? Yeah, it's self-sucking. It, I mean, yeah. look, Laureen Powell Jobs, right? Steve Jobs' widow, is one of the most powerful women in America. You never hear about her. Yeah. But Ever. She, she's incredibly powerful because she she has this entire fortune that she is managing charitably, right? I'm sure she's putting it towards things that are that are good. I don't have any ill will towards her particularly, right? Because sure. he died. She just you know inherited the money, right? But um, – but like she's she has enormous power. So if you give up the power in addition to the money, then maybe we're talking. So we need to seduce the these women. <laughs> it's very frustrating too, though, because these. You didn't even let me finish. Well, I didn't think it was going to be serious. I, well, you, we we got the joke. I mean, Mackenzie Scott just divorced that pathetic teacher guy. Right, I mean, so what was he thinking, Mackenzie? I don't know what's going on there, but listen, I'm I'm young and. <laughs> I got to mind for, fucking forget it. Sorry. No, I'm glad I'm glad we let yeah, you I'm see glad, that through. Aren't you glad was, you I think it was worth it. That's the other forty percent of the show is us doing that kind of. There's shit? A, there's a charity called there's a charity called Give Directly. Have you mm-hmm. heard of Give Directly? No. Um, they do they do gr- direct cash transfers, and what they do is uh uh you know impoverished folks um they just literally give them like a thousand dollars um and people in Africa, people in the United States, um and it seems to be a very good model for you know helping people generally because. Because the idea is, well, you don't decide what is in their best interest. They do. You sure. know, the problem is they don't have money. So give them some fucking money, right? So if uh, if Yvonne Chouinard said, I'm donating $3 billion to give directly, and I have nothing to do with it anymore. I don't touch it at all. Then I'm, I'm going to say, you know what? I still think a billionaire is a policy failure. If billionaires right. exist at all, that's a problem. But he has given up power, right? But it's the it's the power over the money and and uh, the the uh, political power that comes with it that I object to. It's also yeah. important to note that 
a lot of these nonprofit ventures don't exactly work out, right? So these billionaires, they, they get a lot of goodwill on the announcement. They're like Bill Gates and fucking Sergey Brin are teaming up. They're going to fix education. And then I wish they'd fix that YouTube algorithm. <laughs> Very good, Ben. Go on. <laughs> and then, uh, and then everyone goes, wow, we love that. They're donating all this money to fix it. But what they what doesn't get a lot of publicity is then three years later when they turn in their results and they go, we didn't make any meaningful impact. Mm. And you, it's just so frustrating because everyone assumes that, okay, this guy made a billion dollars. Let's ask him about education. Let's ask him about transportation. Let's ask him about all these things. But no one's going to a fucking teacher and being like, hey, you know, did you see... Uh, did you see the numbers, the quarterly numbers for Google? Right. What, what do you think about that? And it's because... <laughs> it's just fucking insane. And, and it's because... These people are idiots. Like, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Okay, like Zuckerberg, right? Zuckerberg had a whole bunch of headlines. He's going to fix education, etc. The the man can't even run a website. Like Horizon, his new meta thing is it fucking success. Can't even fix the YouTube algorithm. <laughs> he can't. He can't even make legs. <laughs> All right, this is a better version of what you said. But like, he he he's currently face planting over and over again. Oh yeah. Announcing stuff that nobody wants that's failing yeah. on him massively, right? So why should we why should this guy have any power over our society? If we want to fix education, maybe we should ask, I don't know, the people who are using the education system, the the students, the parents, we could perhaps get everybody together and have them all have conversations about it and then vote in some way to yeah. decide how to spend the fucking money. Yeah, right. You know? Then we're going to have to pay the greedy teachers and the teacher unions. No way <laughs> you know when you said a policy fail billionaires are a policy failure there was one stat that i saw and i'm butchering this but i believe that in like 1980 the wealthiest american was worth something like two or three billion dollars mm -hmm. and the fact that like that blows my mind to think that back then that's it like that's all you could pathetic 80s guys were able to come up with a paltry three billion dollars in net worth we got elon musk Who's worth what at his peak, like three hundred three hundred billion dollars? Yeah. That's that right there should that alone is. I mean, but how do you argue with that? Just looking at the averages is the real when when you look at the average of CEO pay to worker pay and how far they have. Oh yeah, gone. It is, it's breathtaking. All you need to live like a king and never have any worries for the rest of your life is is what fifty million dollars? You know. <laughs> Right, probably less. I mean, probably right? less. So much money. But yeah. I'm saying uh, that's to a live like a king. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh right, right, right. Tiny fraction. Oh, sure. yeah. Tiny fraction. Yeah. So if we're talking about a cap, it's like I mean, I'm very generous. I'll give him fifty million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems like quite a lot. But who are you to decide, Adam Conover, if I should have a twenty foot yacht or a fifty foot <laughs> yacht? What if I would like five yachts? This is America, and I should be able to do as I please and what poison the groundwater if I so choose. What if I'd like a yacht so well, big? Then you we have to. Mm -hmm. We have to dismantle a very very old bridge that a lot of people love well, just to get it out of the fucking shipyard. That is your God-given right. <laughs> yeah. That is your God-given right as a tax-paying American, as a tax-dodging American, excuse right. me. Uh, we, I, I did want to bring up that, that what we touched on in the beginning about, uh, about Twitter and Doomers. Um, well, actually, no, I, I really fast. We, we, t uh, there's been a lot of talk about what the Fed is doing with raising rates. And I'm curious what your opinion is on it. Good, bad, Look, no man, I'm, I'm no expert in macroeconomics, mm -hmm. so uh, I... Uh... You seem like you know a lot about macroeconomics. <laughs> <laughs> well, po politics, I guess. But... Hey, but there's a lot of experts out there who are completely fucking it up, so... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess that what I will say is that um, I think there's a growing awareness in America that 
the entire field of economics might be total bullshit. Oh yeah. <laughs> that that you know economics has presented itself as a hard science for years when in fact akin to physics or chemistry sure. when in fact it's it's closer to I don't know psychology or sociology like it's a, it's it's just like it's all vibes, man. Like, well, of course, when a bunch of guys from the University of Chicago figure out a bunch of policies that could enrich a yeah. lot of people, they're like, "Yes, that is uh, that is science." Now we're going to follow like, those. It's like theory made fact. Yeah, you know, it's like here's how I'd like the world to work, and if everybody agrees with me, we can make the world work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, there's no like, look, I, I when I go look at. Karl Marx, I'm like, wow, interesting writer, but I'm not sure that we should like follow this to the letter when we're building a country. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like this is this is philosophy, this is poetry, this is interesting shit, but you know what I mean? And I feel the same way about the people who are deciding our macroeconomic system today. Um, but uh, it's not something that I've studied thoroughly enough myself to say I think the Fed should or shouldn't be doing this. Um, I I answer. think that. Uh, but if you were to tell me, hey, the entire like monetary system of capitalism is fucked up and we should f- sweep it away and bring in something new, I'd say, yeah, I'm pretty sympathetic to that, ar- that argument. Tell me more. Yeah. Do you think that we're going to have any hope of Congress self-regulating in terms of like not being able to trade stocks anymore? Oh. Like it should all be, I think that it should all be put, all their money should be put into blind trusts mm-hmm. where they have no idea because there are such glaring conflicts of interest there was that article i think this is this wall street journal thing yeah the wall street journal just because i'm sure you heard the that the all, all the congress members were trading on information but the wall street journal just did an investigation into uh the executive branch so people on all on all different <clears throat> departments trading on you know regulations coming through and all this shit it's uh it's insane you know, I, I have to say that I'm not sure that that is the biggest conflict of interest happening in Congress. I'm sure it happens to an extent. But like, I mean, like what what's more likely that somebody is going to push a policy in Congress because they own stock? Or is it because as soon as they leave Congress, they're going to get a job for a million dollars a year as a lobbyist? That's a you good know? point. Like yeah. the revolving door, I think, is to me the more glaring uh, conflict of interest. I, so I think, yes, it's like a problem and it's good that people are mad about it. But it's I think it's probably not highest on my list. Right. Like someone from uh, Goldman Sachs heading the SEC is more problem. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Or, or somebody like, you know, who's about to go work at Goldman. Goldman Sachs in in a second, you know. I mean, it's right. like all the all the Obama people immediately went to go to work for Uber, you know, right. like that shit. And then when Joe Biden got elected, they were like, "Wait, everyone, come back! We're, yeah, uh, we're we're doing it again." Exactly right. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, we're we're being told. Nah, well, we're not being told anything, but we're near. Oh, babu, good time. Uh, you know, should we talk? What? 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 Are you we guys meant? seeing how much my shorts are hiking up back here? Yeah, I'm it's, seeing it's it. It's the only thing you're seeing is I'm the being camera blinded by no. this light. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, it, it, it like looks good, but I don't, you know. No, it looks I, great. I don't know how it looks from that angle. It looks okay. great. Um, you got some, uh, you got some thick ha- quads and hammies there, my man. Thank you. Look at those. Jeez, you must be able to slam right, dunk a basketball right here. with those no, cats. No, <laughs> Folks, not I wish at all. You could see it. This man has calves. Yeah, this out. And he's putting God, he's damn. putting the views right on. Look, I ran a marathon this year. I'm not going to lie. You really? oh, did? Oh yeah. Nice. I ran the LA marathon. Terrible marathon, but I had a good time. Yeah. It's cuz they changed the route this year. Y- yes, yeah. they did. They it did. used to be all downhill oh, but and then isn't the last part uphill like yeah. 
Dude, I wrote. I got so mad about this. I wrote an article about it for Defector. I got so mad. I, <laughs> I, we can't get into it, but but go look it up on there. If uh, wonderful sports website Defector, if you want to hear how the fucking uh, might be a billionaire at the very least, mega millionaire owner of former owner of the Dodgers, uh, who who still runs the Frank the McCourt. L- Frank McCourt. Yeah. Totally fucked up the marathon just to s- save a little bit of money by by changing the course that way. That guy. Yeah. Genius. Amazing how many he- things you can trace back. To a rich dude. To here. Frank McCord. Pretty much all of them. That's which is entirely the point, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, so uh is there anything you'd like to plug? I can think of maybe like one or two things. Oh, There's yeah. a, some Netflix show, right? Yeah, I got that Netflix show, the G Word. Uh check out my podcast factually. Um, I, I talk to a different fascinating expert from around the world of human knowledge every single week and learn all the shit that they know that I don't know and that you might not know. Oh, and uh uh we we hang out. Um we're about to have uh Uval Noah Harari, the guy who wrote Sapiens Ooh, on wow. the show. Um, we had Reza Aslan on for our first video episode a couple of weeks ago. Oh, with um, the Iranian Revolution. The, Ani- oh, yeah, yeah. the Iranian Revolution, yep. Uh, we are starting to get electeds on. Talked to Pete Buttigieg a couple of weeks ago about transportation. Which are, you gonna, really are you going to ask him if uh, he's ever going to let the uh, airline industry stop putting them over his knee and spanking his little hiney? <laughs> <laughs> Already had him on. I did ask him about that. Um, and it was uh, his answer was... Not totally complete, but it was interesting. You can listen to it. Right. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's like, oh, we, I, we need a passenger's bill of rights. I'm like, you need to fucking kick some ass in their pee. Well, I love, they always do that, and and you always have to go, hey, I don't know if you know this, buddy, but you're you're actually the uh, head of the Department of Transportation. <laughs> you're the guy. That's it's like, your job. It's like when Newsom yeah. was standing in the middle of like the wildfire, the forest all burnt out, and he's like, we need someone to do something. Like, <laughs> buddy, you might yeah. be like the third most powerful guy in the country. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a problem. Yeah, and and it takes look. That's leadership is is to is to everybody else sees constraints and says, oh, we can't do anything. And leadership is to say, hold on a second, we're going to change political reality, and we're going to. That's what FDR did. You know, right. we're gonna we're gonna bring a new world into being. We're gonna convince people. We're gonna do what people previously previously thought was impossible. And that's my main criticism of Obama. Actually, is is I think he had the opportunity to do that, and I and I think he allowed himself to be constrained by what he was told or what he believed were political realities, rather than um, saying, no, I can change the center of political gravity, and I can get things done that no one thought was possible because he was elected in the first place. You know, no one thought that his election was possible. That's my backseat driving, you know. Uh, uh, Uber passenger driving. Uber passenger driving. You guys want to talk about Uber? Do you want to talk about Uber? Yeah, tell us real fast your your um, your well, gripe with Uber. Well, Uber sucks, right? You know, um, here here's the problem that Uber has. We were talking on the way over is I had to take an Uber here because I was tightly scheduled. I'm going to take the subway back. Um, but you, I, I hate taking Ubers. You hate, take, hate taking Ubers. I can't stand it. You hate them because? Because I am... Seriously, the best driver in Los Angeles. I'm great. I'm courteous. I don't accelerate too hard. I don't brake too hard. I keep it cool. It's constantly in He's the humble, mid too. to low 60s in my car because I keep the AC on. I'm, I'm not. If you've got hot coffee in your lap without a lid on, it's not getting on you. You're not spilling it. Uber drivers, it stinks. They don't. They're skimpy with their air conditioning. They don't know how to fucking drive. They take turns too hard. They're gas brake, gas brake. If you're in traffic with an Uber driver, God bless you. Good luck. Well, there's a couple things going on here. So, uh-huh. so the 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 first one is that it's a lot more fun to drive than it is to ride in a car. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people say, "I love hitting the gas." That's really fun for the driver. Sucks to be the passenger. <laughs> yep. So that's a problem that 
all drivers have that my dad drives that way, you know. Um, but the other piece of it is that Uber pays the drivers so little, you literally cannot make money doing it, right? Mm -hmm. I've, I, I have many friends who've driven Uber and they did it for two weeks and they're like, oh, I realized I was losing money between the gas, between the waiting around, the putting the, the miles on your car, putting the, the miles on your car. Absolutely, they pay so fucking little. Um, that that means the only people who can drive Uber are people who are living on the fucking edge. Mm. These are people who are, you know, ha like borrowed their cousin's shitty old Honda Fit. You know, they're like, if I just like pop pills and drive for 18 hours without stopping, I can make enough to afford rent. You know, that means that every time you get in an Uber, you're getting in the car of somebody who like is is living really precariously. You know, I'm making the jokes, but it, it's like you, you get in an Uber in L.A. And like sometimes I get in one and I'm like. I feel so bad for this fucking person. Yeah, yeah. They're driving an Uber. Like sometimes I'll just hand the person a 20 as I get out of the car because I'm like, you fucking need the money so badly. So, that, uh, and I think that contributes to a lot of the discomfort of being in an Uber, right? Um, now, I don't put that on the driver because I'm like, this is the fucking sorry situation that our economy is in. But I also think it's a problem for Uber as a company because Uber got its start catering to rich people, right? Saying it's everybody's private driver. You can get like a black car service. And they eventually like slid down the slope until now they pay so little that it's, it's like really impoverished people driving Uber. And guess what? Rich people don't want to ride in poor people's cars. They don't. <laughs> Just like fundamentally, <laughs> right. they don't want to. And so now there's other services. There's like a service called Alto that's like a much more of a black car experience that's riding. Oh, yeah. Like, they all have to be Buick uh, yeah. enclaves. They're all Buick enclaves. They cost like, you know, they, they cost like about twice as much as yeah. an Uber, sometimes more, sometimes less. Um, but uh, that's like... Uh, you know, and by the way, that's the high margin part of the business, right? That's how Apple makes money. Apple makes their money because they don't sell the cheap phones. They sell the ones where they sell the phones to the rich people because they make a higher margin that way. Right. Um, so Uber has like somehow tricked themselves by wanting to pay their labor so little that they have like slid down the slope so that the product is so bad, people fucking hate using it. And people, when given a better option, will. And the whole, uh, the whole appeal of all of these services used to be, hey, Uber is better than driving. It's better than public transportation. It's better than a cab. Now it's worse than all three of those and things. And it makes traffic worse. And it makes traffic worse. Yeah, right. So uh, I, I think they've really like uh, they've really gotten themselves to a really bad spot as a company where they're both being cruel to the drivers and to the customers, and everybody fucking hates the service now. They just take it because like, well, I have to because you know it eviscerated every private cab company. It killed uh, public transportation in a lot of cities. They ended up cutting back on on public transportation services because uh, uh, you know a lot of people were taking Ubers instead, and now we're stuck with a service that we all hate. Anyway. My podcast is called Factually. That's what you asked me uh, <laughs> 10 minutes ago. <laughs> please, please listen. We love it. Go we'll check it all out. His, yeah, his, yeah. New, his new YouTube page, I imagine you're going to do more videos. Oh, yeah. I, I, so, after good, this is the first one I am. Yeah. And go, so you. go watch his latest one. It's great. Uh, subscribe to Factually. Check out the G Word on Netflix. Is there going to be a season two? Uh, no, that was a mini series, but I'm hoping that I will be able to find a new spot on television somewhere that wants to hear rants like this uh, and uh, pay uh, union wage to uh, let me hire people to help me write them. Hell yeah, we love that. Maybe Obama's looking to collab again. <laughs> if you know, if ask him. Not after this interview. Sorry, ask him go. if he wants to come on the show. Oh, if, I, you, if you can ever. On the, this show? No. Oh, that'd be so great. Do you have his phone number? I don't speak to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thanks so much for coming on. This was so much fun. Thanks for having yeah. me, guys. Thank yeah. Thank you. And uh, if this is your first time watching us, we hope you fucking press that button. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> you better press it. And as always, we say on this show, kill your job. Wait, kill your... Fuck, I haven't said it in so long. Quit your job, kill your parents, shit your pants. That's the sign-off? <laughs> yeah, well, it's... <laughs> it used to be a lot... Does it, always, the... does it always leave you hanging like that at the end? No, no. It's it's usually a lot more smoother. Than... It's based on uh, some... It's based on my origin story. You just don't worry. Don't it's worry a, about it. It's a very I, I didn't confusing. kill anybody, okay? Cool. But I did shit and I did quit my job. Anyway, so long, folks. Thanks, Thanks. guys. This week on After Hours. It's After Hours. Anything goes. <laughs> Everybody on the fucking ground. Yes. Now. Get on the ground now. Don't look at me. Ow. I'm pregnant and I'm <laughs> mad even more. Not yet. Yeah, not, not yet. yet. I can't believe this. Sign up on TMGStudios.tv to watch the full bonus episode.